Um, so, what do you guys think about facial recognition? Because I am not. I shouldn't say I shouldn't I shouldn't deal in absolutes here. In terms of solving crime, I'm not big on it. I'm not because. Humans make mistakes, technology makes mistakes, and you can get a bunch of false positives and many things like that. And there is, let me read this article to you from Fox News. Um, new facial recognition app promises to solve crimes, but critics say it means the end of privacy. A class action lawsuit filed Thursday in New York federal court claims a breakthrough facial recognition technology designed for law enforcement use is illegally taking people's biometric information without their consent. The lawsuit was filed by two people from Illinois who claimed the company belonged behind the technology. Clearview AI illegally took photos from their social media profiles and stored their biometrics, in this case scans of their facial geometry in a database. The plaintiffs say this violates Illinois Biometric Information Privacy Act. This is the latest attack on Clearview AI, a new facial recognition software that can identify anyone with a single photo. The founder, Juan Ton That, that's probably not how you pronounce his last name, but you guys know how I am with names, designed the app specifically to help law enforcement agencies solve crimes. Users insert a photo into the software and it instantly brings up any photo on the internet matching that face with links to accompanying websites. In a statement, the company said, Clearview's legal team will respond to this lawsuit in due course. The company is committed to operating within bounds of applicable laws and regulations. Uh, the founder claims that the app is 99.6% accurate in its matches and is being used more than by more than 600 law enforcement agencies, including the Chicago Police Department, which has paid $50,000 for a two-year trial. Clearview AI estimates already that it has been used in thousands of cases to help identify shoplifters, murderers, and pedophiles. We believe that we're doing this in the public interest, said uh, the founder said in an interview with Fox News. When these pedophiles are caught, investigators have all these photos, hundreds and hundreds of kids, and for the first time ever, they're able to identify the victims. Okay. Well, there's more to the article, and I may get back to it. But a question I have for you, and I try to have a major question for you every single episode. Where do we draw the line between safety and privacy? How much of your privacy are you willing to give up in order to be safe? Just look at just look at you know smartphones. We Google stuff all the time. We use different apps: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Google Maps, um, Waze. Um, you know, just all these different apps that need our information. Yelp. You know, what, whatever you like to use, it has your information. And we are. That means we are willing to give up some of our privacy. Some of our information 
for convenience. Okay. So what does that mean? It means okay, we're we're we are okay with going so far. But when do we say that 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 it's too far? My dad and I, my dad, my mom and I were having a discussion at dinner a few nights ago about this chip that Elon Musk is developing, and maybe not him himself, but people who work for him, where it's a chip that will go in your brain and it would be like Google. And you have like instant access. But the problem is, or the thing is that it would always be on. And it would have to know your location. Cause you know how Google works. I mean, if you, if you search up anything and you scroll to the bottom of the page, it's gonna have the city that you are in and the zip, city, state, and the zip code that you're in. That's how, that's one way search results come up. Is based off where you are. So you would be being tracked. It's, it's a way of tracking. Me personally, there's no way I'm putting a chip in my brain. I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not putting, I'm not willingly accepting a tracking device in my brain. Now people, people, you know, people talk about, um, do you guys remember um, that episode of Black Mirror, if, if you guys have ever seen the show, there's an episode of Black Mirror, which is, by the way, fantastic series, fantastic. I haven't watched it in a while, but it's, it's fantastic. Um, but there's this episode called Arc, I think it's Archangel. And there's this mom in the beginning of the episode. She is at the park with her daughter and this mom starts striking up a conversation um, I think she starts striking up a conversation or she just looks away for a few minutes or a few seconds and she loses her daughter. She doesn't know where she is. And I mean, she's searching for what seems to be a long time and she has no idea where she is and she starts panicking and stuff like that. Eventually she finds her daughter and she says, you know, she says, you know, don't you ever leave, you know, leave me again. Don't you ever, you know, go missing again. And so what she does, she takes her daughter into this, um, place, this, um, I'll say this, this technological clinic where she'd be able to track her daughter at all times and see what she's seeing and hear what she's hearing, which I think is just absolutely evil and a disgrace. And no parent should ever do that. But it's just, it was just a really interesting episode. And, the you know, obviously it turned out to be a horrendous idea. <laughs> um, but, you know, anyway, Black Mirror is a fantastic show and that's a fantastic episode. But, you know, how far are we willing to go? Is it possible that... I mean, six, okay, because it says 600 law enforcement agencies. So there, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of law enforcement agencies in America. There are. 
We don't know which ones. We know one of them is Chicago. But are you comfortable with your photo being or your your biometrics being used without your consent? How how do we know that this stuff can't be rigged? I mean, I don't I got to be honest, I don't know how this stuff works. I'm not very savvy concerning this stuff. I don't know. But I mean, I mean, what do you, what do you guys think? Cuz I I say this. We've given up quite a bit of privacy. We've give we've given up a lot as a nation, especially since um, 2001 from 9-11. That's good hydration. And, you know, for me, like myself and other Gen Zers, probably mostly Gen Zers, we, we have kind of always been involved with this stuff. We've always, this is pretty much all we know. You know, going to the airport, you could... You know, the checks and the security wasn't wasn't nearly as tight as it is today. You could get to your plane really quickly back then. Now it takes a long time. So this this is just normal for for my generation. I most of the time I'm not really thinking about it. But if you see how life was before and you study it, it's like wow, we've given up a lot. And I think, I think that this is overall something that will catch on, but I mean, how do we know that it's a 99.6% I mean, accuracy? So that pretty much means that it's, that it's almost never wrong. 99.6%, that is a fantastic rate. That, that's, that's really fantastic. That sounds too good to be true. It just sounds too good to be true. And I, I kind of go by that, you know that saying where if something sounds too good to be true, it probably is. That's what I'm thinking concerning this. That's, that's just incredibly high. And I don't think I could ever really get with that program. I mean, has this been tested on like twins, triplets? You know, because there are people like there are people that I'm thinking of that look pretty similar, and I'm like, okay, would the system be able to get it right? And plus, you have different angles. Like people won't just be looking, always be looking straight at a camera, to where the camera gets a perfect angle. You may get them from the side. You only you may only get the profile. You may get them from the back. How can, I I mean, I don't know. I just, I don't think this thing can really be trusted. Clearview AI runs photos through its database, which the company claims more than 3 billion photos pulled from websites. That's huge. Um, It searches, there's a quote, it searches only publicly available material out there. 
The founder told Fox News in an interview before the lawsuit was filed, This is public data. We're not taking any personal data. Things that are out there on the internet in the public domain. However, Google, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Venmo, and LinkedIn have sent cease and desist letters to Clearview AI in an effort to shut down the app. The company said photos users, photos users put on their accounts are not public domain and taking people's photos, a practice known as uh, scraping, violates their terms of service. It's a little hypocritical. Google has a lot of personal and private information. They track where you go around the web and they sell ads to you and they add, they have your private emails. We're not taking any personal data. Now that's, now that is a fair point. Google has a lot more on us. But when it comes, when it comes to crime, I mean, people's lives. People, like people's lives are, you know, at risk. If you get it, if your system gets it wrong, if your system gets it wrong, you could put away the wrong person. You know, but, you know, I will say this technology is, it's more accurate and it's more reliable than humans are. That, that is a fact. Okay. Eyewitness accounts really aren't that good. Like, for example, say you are, let's say you're in the grocery store. No, let's say, let's say you are, no, we'll keep the grocery store. Let's say you're in a grocery store and there's a huge commotion and something just happens suddenly. You look to see what happens and you see someone running away and you, you, you believe it's a robbery and the police eventually come and they, they don't let anyone leave the store, leave or enter. And they say, okay, what did you see? If they ask every single person in that store what they saw, they're going to get a bunch of different reports. Oh, it was a, it was a, it was a five, seven white guy. It was a, it was a six, three Mexican. It was a five, two black guy. You, you're going to be all over the place. It was a man. It was a woman. Um, they were bald. You know, they had stringy hair. You're just going to be all over the place. And that's just, that's just how human nature is. When something sudden happens, I mean, your brain is taking in a ton of information all the time. And when something unexpected happens and you look to, to see it, your brain is trying to process what's happening along with other things that your brain is trying to tell you. So, does anyone like crime? No, not really. Okay. But, we, I, I, I just, I don't know. At what, at what point do we say enough is enough? At what point do we say, you know what? We have to advance technology in other areas. And not, not certain. I don't, I just don't know. I just don't know how to word it. It's like you can't, it's like at some point, I'm not going to give you any more information on me. And there are some things that we, that we do and that we give up in exchange for something else. And it's just, I don't know, it makes you think twice. So I don't, I don't really have an answer for this. Um... 
My biggest concern is the accuracy. How do we know that it's 99.6%? That just sounds way too good. That's, that's way too high for me to believe. And how do we, and I mean, I look at it this way. When they, when he says it's 99.6% accurate, what kind of pictures is it taking? Are these, as I said earlier, are they pictures where the person is looking straight at the camera? Because that, that's rare when someone is looking straight at a camera and you have perfect lighting, a perfect angle, no interruptions, good quality cameras. I mean, wh- what do you do? Because, you know, if you ever watch the news and you'll, you'll see these, like, stories of break-ins and you'll see the camera footage that's in the store where it's just so grainy and so bad, it's like, how can this be used? How do I know that this, that clear view is going to get this right? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, um, I'm not big on this. I'm not, I'm, you can call me conspiracy theorist concerning this, but I, I'm, I'm reluctant in this area, but that's just me. Okay. Um, next story. Um, this is from ABC News. Uh, teacher investigated for Italian students to act as slaves. Officials at a New Jersey school district say they're investigating a teacher's history lesson that had students pretend to be slaves. All right. A New Jersey school district is investigating a teacher's history lesson that had students pretend to be slaves, officials said. According to social media posts by a student in the class, 8th grade social studies teacher Lawrence Cuneo forced Tom's River Intermediate School students to act as if they were picking cotton and lay on a dirt, dirty floor while pretending to be slaves, the Ashbury Park Press reported Tuesday. The student who also said in the post that Cuneo made the, made the noise of a cracking whip over them and kicked at students' feet. The Ashbury Park received screenshots of the Instagram post by the student's mother. She did not return requests seeking comment from the newspaper. A spokesman for Tom's River Regional School District and the district is investigating what happened. Cuneo, who is also in his third term as mayor of the small town in Pine Beach, emailed a statement Wednesday at a radio station to a radio station and the Ashbury Park Press. In the statement, he said he was demonstrating a degrading and despicable institution in American history when he told students to pretend to be slaves. Cuneo apologized but said the lessons learned from slavery must be shared and taught. At no time was my intention to harm the sensitivities of any student. If this lesson did that, I apologize to those affected. District spokesman Michael Kenney said that as the investigation moves forward, we are keeping in mind that our curriculum has evolved to include more hands-on authentic activities. He added that it seems initially clear that Cuneo had no ill intent but shouldn't have used better judgment. Teachers' methods for teaching about slavery have come into question several times in recent years. This story has been corrected to say that Cuneo's apology and explanation came in a statement he emailed on Wednesday to the radio station, not in an on-air interview Thursday. Okay. Now, I'm going to say this. I'm going to, I'm going to take this as it is. I'm going to take it and hear... I can only I can only go by what's presented in this article. 
Okay, personally, I believe that the teacher had a great lesson. Because you are in a situation where he's trying, he's trying to explain in a very, really not all that bad, really in an all, the situation that he put him in was not all that bad. There was no actual whip. They didn't actually have to pick up cotton. They, they were laying on the ground, which of course, you know, is not favorable, but it could have been way worse. And what he was trying to demonstrate is that this, like, imagine doing this every day and feeling like this and being treated like this. That's the point of the lesson. The kid missed it. The, the kid who, the kid who took pictures of this and sent it. That's the point of it. That was the idea of this. No one likes slavery. No one, no one enjoyed it. No one, you know, people don't want it to come back. And as the old saying goes, if, you know, those who fail to learn history, you know, are doomed to repeat it. His lesson was focused on how bad the institution of slavery was. Do, I mean, I mean, do we really think that this guy was like, you know what, I have nothing better to teach. And I have nothing better to do and I can't think of anything else. Let me just do this. Sometimes in school, you, here's the thing. School is a place of challenging. It's the place where you need to learn. You, your ideas need to be pushed. They need to be challenged. They need to be, you know, you know, criticized. You're not supposed to be in your comfort zone in school. That's how you grow. That's how you get better. That's how you become stronger. You're not supposed to be comfortable all the time. That's the thing with like, you know, banning certain books. Oh, we don't want you to read, you know, The Adventures of Huck Finn. We don't want you to read To Kill a Mockingbird. We don't want you to read The Diary of Anne Frank. You know, just, you know, it's not good to stop, to, to, to limit learning just because it makes you uncomfortable. You're the part, you're supposed to be, there will be times in school where you're you're supposed to be uncomfortable. There will be times in life where you will be uncomfortable. Life isn't smooth sailing. There will be things that you learn that you may, that you may not like and that you may disagree with. I, I honestly like, I like this lesson. Personally, if I were a student, I would have hated this. That's the point. I'd hate it, but I, but after, after thinking about it, and I'm sure after, I'm sure after he explained it to them, you, like, you get it. I thought I thought it was a fantastic lesson. Just you know, just hearing about this. But that's that's the point of school. You're supposed to be challenged. He put them in an uncomfortable position where they were now in the where they now had somewhat of a mindset of being degraded and being disrespected. That's the point. I mean, if you're I, and of course, I don't have kids. Okay. And I, you know, I'm away, I'm a ways away from that. I, I believe I'm like maybe nine years away from having kids. But I'm going to say this. 
if my if my kids if I pick my kids up from school one day and you know let's say let's say you know it was it was my daughter and my daughter says daddy uh I was in class today and Mr. Mr. Cuneo had us lie on the floor and he pretended he wanted us to act as if we were slaves and I didn't really like it initially I would be upset because I'd be like my little girl was on the floor and being disrespected and degraded but then that that intellectual side of me is like okay I was like I would ask my daughter okay and this is what I think I would do I think I would do this I would say okay do you know why he did that and I would listen for her explanation and then whatever if she got it wrong I would say I would say sweetheart listen to me he did that to put you in that mindset. He wanted you to experience a little bit of what they experienced. That was the point of the lesson. He didn't do it just because he wanted, because it was a power trip for him. It was supposed to be a learning experience. You're not supposed to be comfortable all the time. If I'm, if I'm a parent, I, I can understand. I'm not a parent. I, I keep saying that. I'm not a parent, but I would understand being upset. I would, I would understand. Someone, I would, I would understand having, being angry about the teacher, being angry at the teacher. But I would have to understand, hey, this is what, this is what the lesson was for. That's the point of it. The point was to make you uncomfortable. I talked about this yesterday with perseverance and grit and just being soft. You have, in order, in order to grow, you have to go through trials and tribulations. In order to become, and think of it, when you go to the gym, in order to get stronger, you have to put on more weight. You have to tear your muscles. You have to go, you have to increase, you have to go up a level in order to be able to take on that level. That, 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 that is how this works. That's how, that's how this works. And I, I honestly, I, I'm, I'm with a teacher on this. He didn't, he did anything wrong. I thought that was, I think that's a great lesson. Um, I hope he, I, I'm hoping this guy does not lose his job. I think that would be absolutely wrong and disgraceful. But I'm going to go on to the next. I'm going to go on to the next story. Um, I, I really have no problem with this. I really don't. And I don't, I don't think you should either. I, I mentioned this yesterday, you know, I went through a lot these past three months. I went through more these past three months than I have in my entire life combined. I, I'd have to be honest. Mentally, physically, emotionally. Probably every way imaginable. Spiritually. Having gone through what I went through. I'm now able to take on more things. Things. I'm now able to take on more situations. I'm able to overcome greater situations. There are things I look back at now that I went through. Where I thought were so difficult and so hard. 
where I look back at it now, it's like, I had trouble with that? Like that, like that's nothing. You don't grow by being comfortable. You don't get better by sitting on the couch and doing nothing. You have to, in order, the only way to grow is to be, to be uncomfortable and to be pushed out of your comfort zone. You will continuously and consistently underachieve and fail to be what you're supposed to be when you stay in a position of comfort. You, you, you cannot grow. You will stay the same and you'll, you know, you could be, you could be 50 years old, but you still have the mindset of a 15 year old. You could be 70 and have the mindset of a 17 year old. You have, you have to be tough. You have, you have to, you have to have grit to do these things. You're not supposed to be comfortable all the time. And I think we have to stop thinking that. That's a, that's a horrible mindset to have. Everything is in sunshine and rainbows. That's, that's not the way, that's not the way life works. So, I, I applaud the teacher. I think this is a great lesson. And I honestly believe more teachers should do it. Seriously. I, I think more teachers should, not necessarily this, but things like this, and not just with slavery, um, but you know, you know, I would say you could do lessons on like the Holocaust and you know things like that, and just different different events in life where you know where you can just learn and you can kind of you can somewhat step in the shoes of those who went through that. Okay, let me get to this, this unfortunate, ah, this unfortunate story. Um, I was watching the news last night with my mom. My mom, for some reason, likes the news. Um, I mean, she doesn't watch it. She doesn't watch it often or a lot, but she'll say, oh, turn on the news. And she's kind of the only one at the house that does that. I kind of go online and research for my news, but that's just me. Um... Okay, so, ah, oh, this is, this, this hurts me. I don't, you know, I, I say this all the time. I don't have kids, but you guys know that I really look forward to having children of my own. I, whenever a, there's a child that goes missing, or, you know, you know, there's a child that we're looking, that the nation is looking for, and we don't know where they are, like, I feel something. Like, I feel like, oh my God, like, like, Lord, please, like, let them be okay. Let, like, let's find them. Like, I, I feel something, like, genuinely. When I have kids, I can't imagine how I'm going to feel when I see a child missing. I, I, like, I can't, I can't imagine it. But, there was a police in South Carolina find body of missing six-year-old Faye Swetlick. This is... Oh, God. Here we go. The body of six-year-old Faye Swetlick, missing since Monday after vanishing outside her home in South Carolina, was found Thursday. Um, it was. It is with extremely heavy hearts that we are announcing that we found a body 
that the coroner has identified as Faye Marie Swetlick, Chief Byron Snellgrove um, said at a news conference. Snellgrove said police are treating the case as a homicide. Her autopsy will be conducted Saturday. At this time, no arrests have been made. Um, we need to know, we need you to know that this is a fluid investigation and we are working diligently. A deceased male was also found during the search, the police chief said, and the investigation is only beginning. He assured residents the area was safe and took no questions. So, what do we know? We know that she arrived safely at home but went missing. She was last seen playing in her front yard after taking the school bus home from school Monday. More than 250 officers and investigators spent the past few days searching for her. So, here's... Okay, I gotta be honest. Well, let me keep reading. The first grader at Springdale Elementary School got off her bus Monday afternoon and safely arrived at her house in the Churchill Heights neighborhood, um, according to Police Sergeant Evan Antley. Uh, but sometime around 3.45, her family realized Faye was missing. Police were called around 5 p.m. and began a search with more than 100 law enforcement personnel, including search dogs. The number of searchers increased to more than 250 by Tuesday, and the FBI assisted with the search. Um, so, here's, here's my question. Here's my question. Um, if, so she was last seen playing in her front yard. Now that, so what that seems Okay, so based off this in this context here, the family was home. The family was home and she was just outside by herself. That's what it sounds like. So it, what it seems to me, it could have been one of those things where they were letting her play outside and occasionally they would check through the window or come out the front door and just check to make sure she's okay. You know, Faye, you doing okay? You know, do you need anything? You know, you know, just things like that. That's what it sounds like to me. That's what it sounds like happened. And she went missing. She well, it was realized at 345 that she was missing. Okay, so she was taking the bus home from school. So she's six. So that's like first grade. So she probably got out at, I don't know, I'm going to say, I don't know, maybe 2, two o'clock, 2.30. But she goes, she goes missing pretty quickly. She, what I'm confused about is the hour and 15 minute delay of the police being called. Um, that's, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying 
that I'm that I'm looking at the family and being suspicious concerning them. But I will I will say this: if you are, I just I just don't know. I mean, she's six. Like this isn't this isn't fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. She's not a teenager. She's a little girl. You would check the house, which doesn't take that long. Um, you may check some neighbors' houses, but I don't, I don't know why that would take an hour fifteen. But anyway, I'm not, I'm not trying to point fingers. We don't know what happened. Unfortunately, though, she's gone. And the main thing I wanted to talk about today concerning this is to appreciate your family. You need you need to every every day, every day, no matter how angry you may be at your family member, no matter how upset, no matter what you think they did to you or anything like that. You need to be grateful for your family and you need to speak to them. Tell them you love them. Tell them good night. Tell them good morning. You don't know when you won't see them again. You have you have no clue. I mentioned I mentioned this, you know, earlier this week. You know, we live thinking that life is just going to go on. We think that we're just going to wake up the next day. We think everything is just going to be fine the next day. We don't think that an emergency is going to happen. Uh, we hope it doesn't, but we pretty much live as if you know things are just going to go normally. Imagine you were to wake up one day and your entire family is dead. Imagine you wake up, it's a Saturday morning, you know, it's the weekend. You get up and it's just strangely quiet in the house. You go to your parents' room and you find them that you just find that they died in their sleep. You would be mortified. You would be speechless. You would probably faint, scream, or I—I I, I don't know. I don't know what you would do, but you would be—you wouldn't be yourself. But you need to be grateful for your family. You need to love them. You need to appreciate them. When I went into the hospital, um, I was able to contact my parents. They knew—they knew that I was going to the emergency room. But then one day, um, you know, on the sixth slash seventh. I was already on life support and they were calling me, they were calling, not me, they were calling my parents who were at a basketball game at the time. They said, your son is going, they said, your son is going to die if he does not get a blood transfusion. Okay, in order for us to keep him alive, he needs to do, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. They received multiple phone calls from multiple teams of doctors for permission for me, for them to do something. They didn't know. They they didn't they didn't think. And my mom got up there as fast as possible. But it's possible I could have died before she got there. She would have been the first family member to see me dead. But what I'm what I'm saying is, you don't know when you won't see. When, you don't know when you won't see a family member again. You don't know when you won't see a friend again. I'm telling you, life is too short to hold grudges. 
this past semester, this past semester, I was frustrated with my parents and I was, I was mad at them. I was angry and I didn't really talk to them at all. I mean, it was, it was minimal. But I learned that life is too short to hold grudges. It's too short to be angry. It's too short to be concerned about what others think of you. You don't want something to happen. Let's say, let's say you have a grudge against a sibling. And let's say you don't talk to them. And let's say one day you find out that they were killed in a car accident. You would feel horrible. You'd be like, man, I've been angry at this, at them for so long. And I've just, I haven't spoken to them. And I haven't interacted with them at all. I've just been holding on to this anger and for what? Now they're gone. It's, it's, be appreciative of your family. If you don't get, if you don't get anything else today, be appreciative of your family because you don't know. You don't know. You need to, you need to be appreciative and you need to live as if you may never see them again. I'm telling you, it's not worth it to hold a grudge. It's not worth it to stay angry. I'm not saying you won't get angry. I'm not saying you won't be upset at your family. I'm not saying you won't be frustrated with them. But to hold a grudge and to stay angry, I'm telling you, it's not worth it. And it's it, it can be hard to get rid of a grudge, certainly. But I'm telling you, it's not worth it. This this little girl is gone. And I'm not saying her parents were mad at her or, or, or anything like that. It's just the fact that it was just a normal day in South Carolina. They thought everything was going to be normal, you know, like clockwork. You know, oh, okay, there's a school bus phase home. You know, we're getting ready to eat dinner and then we're going to have her wash up. And then, you know, we're going to tuck her into bed at, you know, 7 p.m. But that didn't happen. I'm, I'm just, I'm just telling you. Doing, just be grateful. Be grateful for your friends. Be grateful for your family. Um, I'm, but I'm just, I'm just telling you, grudges aren't worth it. Whatever you're angry about, it's not worth it. There were things that I thought about, you know, people that I, you know, that I may have been mad at, um, people that I might not have forgiven. And I, in the hospital, I was just kind of thinking about that. And this was mostly during the time that the tubes were down my throat and stuff like that. And there were things that I wanted to get off my chest and tell my family. And things I wanted to hear from them, but that's what I'm saying. You don't know. Just holding on, holding on to stuff is not healthy. It's not healthy to hold stuff in. Holding, holding on to a grudge, it does nothing. That's just pride. It, it's just, it, holding a grudge is just rooted in pride. That's all it is. And you've, you've heard the old saying, it's like, you know, being angry at someone is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. 
it doesn't work that way. You're going to die. You're killing yourself when you just hold on to anger. Being angry and staying angry, it's not healthy. It, it, will, it will kill you. In the Bible it says, in Proverbs it says that bitterness rots the bones. Some people age horribly just because they're angry their whole life. They're bitter. They're miserable. They're upset. They're sad. And it's like, does anything in your life ever go right? They say laughter is the best medicine. That's very true. People who, people who, you know, people who laugh regularly, you know, they look good. They look healthy. You know, just your attitude, your, I'm telling you, your attitude can make all the difference for your health. Seriously. I, I've, I, I couldn't agree more with that after what I went through. But that's, that's what I'm saying. Just, just be grateful for your family and don't, don't stay angry. It, it does not feel good at all.